0: Lord Jesus, as we await the day of your coming, give us eyes to see your grace all around us. Amen. Amen. If we are doing God's work, then why is the church's budget so tight? If God cares about justice, why is there so much iniquity and injustice in society? If love is the way, then why does it seem like bullying and greed get better results? If Jesus gives us the peace that passes all understanding, why do so many struggle with depression, anxiety, and addiction? Or, in the words of John the Baptist, is Jesus the Messiah, or are we to wait for another? Would it be better for us to put our trust in strength, our investments in the market, and our hopes in self-improvement plans? In last Sunday's sermon, we heard how John the Baptist is a model for us in faith, as he shows us what it means to be a pointer, paver, and prophet. Well, this Sunday, John remains a model for us as he shows us what it means to be human. Remember last Sunday, John was energized in his faith. He had confidence aplenty. He called the religious leaders a brood of vipers and cautioned us that the axe is lying at the root of the tree. Well, today we have a different picture of John the Baptist. He's in prison. His vigor has diminished. His confidence is shaken. St. Teresa of Avila once said, God, if this is how you treat your friends... It's no wonder you have so few. John would probably agree with that sentiment. Life is not always or often easy. To be sure, we all have moments of grace and joy all around us, but frustration, disappointment, pain and struggle are constant. It's okay to admit that. It is okay to admit that things are not okay. And if things ever feel too overwhelming and you need help, please know that you can call me anytime, day or night. And if those difficulties ever seem like more than you can or want to handle, there's a new suicide and crisis lifeline. You just dial or text 988 for help. This can be a difficult time of year for many people. But know that because of God's love for us in Jesus, we are never alone and there is always hope. And even if we are not in a place of despair to that point, we all have stress, worries, anxieties, regrets, pains, doubts that we carry with us. It seems like we're doing all the things that we should be doing, all the things that we were taught to do. And yet, as it turns out, life is more complicated than baking a cake. Things don't always turn out the way we want them to. This is where John is. He has been faithful to the ministry that God gave him. He's done his part in preparing the way for the Messiah. He's expecting God's kingdom to arrive, but he's in prison. And in just a couple of chapters later in Matthew, he will be executed. Hardly the salvation and the vindication he was hoping for. In expressing these doubts and difficulties, John is a model for us in how to be healthy people. He names and thereby confronts the issue. There is not a problem in this world that gets better by ignoring it or pretending that it is not real. Ignoring the truth, when we do that, lies fester, ignorance corrupts, inaction exacerbates. But John does not wallow in his doubts and disappointments. He reaches out to others for help, a great example for us. He sends some of his followers to Jesus to ask, Are you the Messiah? Or are we waiting for someone else? And Jesus' response is not only unexpected, it's also perfect, which is what we would expect from God incarnate. John is not chided for his question. Jesus does not insult or shame John because he had a question. When we have questions or doubts, we will not be punished for these things either. Jesus is the truth, and God always seeks to draw us further into the truth. But instead of giving John's disciples a direct answer like yes or no, Jesus tells John to open his eyes and to read Scripture, for there we will see the promises of God being fulfilled. In other words, there's evidence for the Messiah all around us. If we would just have the eyes to see it, Two Sundays ago, I quoted a poem, Earth's crammed with heaven, And every common bush afire fire with God, But only they who see take off their shoes, The rest sit round and pluck blackberries. The fire of God's love and grace is all around us. In every act of charity, forgiveness, healing, generosity, and courage, we have sure signs of God's power and presence. But we are so distracted by the news, by screens, by our priorities that we end up just plucking blackberries. Not only does Jesus tell John and his disciples to come and see, to open their eyes to God's hand at work in the world about them, he frames it through the lens of God's promises in scripture. Jesus tells them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Because if Jesus had simply said, yes, I'm the guy, then we would still be looking and creating messiahs of our own making. We would be expecting the Messiah to do what we want, to fulfill our expectations, instead of being surprised by the abundant grace of God that is more than we can ask or imagine. Jesus opens our imaginations to what the Messiah is all about. We heard it in the prophet Isaiah. He wrote about the blossoming that will happen in the deserts, the strength that will come to the weak, the courage to the fearful, the sight to the blind, dancing to the lame, speech to the speechless, comfort to the suffering, water to the thirsty, security to the threatened. In other words, God's provision will meet our need. God will set right what has gone wrong because of sin and death. God will restore that which has been corrupted, redeem that which has been broken, save that which is lost. And the Messiah is not about crushing Rome, not about trading one earthly ruler for a different one, not about creating justice through injustice towards our enemies. And we see it throughout the life of Jesus. He spends time with the least and the lost, with criminals, with prostitutes, tax collectors, and lepers. And you know, it's telling that Jesus, the Messiah, did not spend his time doing workshops for the wealthy, telling them how they can better use their resources. He tells them to give it all away. Jesus does not tell the elites that they need to create programs for those in poverty. He goes and spends his time with those on the margins. Jesus does not tell people how to find their authentic selves. He tells them to take up a cross and follow him. Because everything about Jesus is a reversal. Our expectations are upended, our priorities called into question, our opinions exposed as flawed. Jesus reverses the injustices of society, yes but he does it by transforming us. Now, a lot of people, they want the Messiah to fix the problems of society, but not many of us want to be the ones who are fixed. One theologian was asked by a reporter, what's wrong with the modern world? To which he replied, I am. The problems in our homes, in our economy, in our church, in our city, in our nation, in our world, cannot be fixed apart from us because if every one of us if every person on the planet was gone tomorrow well the problems would go away as well that should tell us something about the nature of our problems it's us and jesus does not come to fix them or to solve that he comes to transform us to shape us in grace to set us on the path of love and this is not a little tweak It's a complete course correction. It's what Mary sings about in the Magnificat, the great reversal of God's grace. We will be scattered in the places of our conceit and lifted up in the place of our lowliness. And this is what Advent is preparing us for, for when Jesus shall come again in great power to judge and redeem all things. And even now, in the middle of history, Jesus is continually coming to us in grace to do just that. And these two things, judgment and redemption, they always go hand in hand, because there are things in our lives and our society that need to be cast down and judged as antithetical to the way of love. That fire of God, it is all around us, but sometimes it is needed to burn away the chaff in our lives. So we ought not to be surprised when the idols that we have made fail us, when our lack of generosity closes us off to the economy of grace, when our desire to be right makes it harder to love. But that same fire, it will also warm and enlighten our path. God will bring people and situations into our lives to bless us, giving us opportunities to bless others. But if we've got a fistful of blackberries, we might dismiss those things as coincidences instead of providence. God gives us the strength to apologize, to endure, to love. But if we resist this transformation, like John, we will remain imprisoned by our expectations, fears, and doubts. Jesus opens us to God's work of doing a new thing in our lives and world. And the way that John is answered with the promise of Scripture, Jesus is showing us something. He is showing us how we can see the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. Scripture shows us what heaven looks like so that we will see it all around us on earth. Heaven is not about exclusion, vengeance, or self-centeredness. But when we attune ourselves to the joy and the peace of heaven that we read about in scripture, Jesus is helping us to see it on earth as well. The importance of reading and hearing scripture in our lives of faith cannot be understated. And Jesus' response shows us this. When we are disturbed, doubtful, or disoriented, we turn to scripture and find those promises of God that are already being fulfilled all around us. And this is such great news that God is reversing all those things that have gone wrong. God is restoring all things in Jesus. God has forgiven us our sins, defeated death, and opened the way of love to each of us. And so every third Sunday of Advent, our readings, regardless of the year, orient us towards this grace. Which is why today is also sometimes called Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete is a Latin word that is the traditional opening of the liturgy, it means rejoice. We rejoice in this hope of our salvation. It's why the candle in the advent wreath for this week is pink, a lighter, more joyful and expectant color than the deeper blues and violets. Think about the sunrise. As the dawning light gets closer in the morning, we see that radiant pink color dancing across the horizon. God's promises to us in Scripture are intended to do the same, to help us rejoice in God's salvation. When John was mired in doubt, Jesus told him to come and see the promises of God found in Scripture happening all around him. Advent does the same thing for us, in hearing the promises of God's restoration and reversal in Isaiah and in Mary's Magnificat. We are prepared to see God's salvation in every blazing bush around us. And so as we continue to watch and wait for that day on which all things shall be made well in Jesus, we are given signs of hope and joy as we pray. Come, Lord Jesus.